0: Today I'm talking with my friend Chris from Harm's Way. Uh, not really going to spend too much time on these intros anymore because I just realize I ramble. Uh, the interview will do the talking for it. But uh, probably one of the most interesting stories I've had, other than uh, some of Tucker's stories, where Harm's Way became um, somewhat. Uh, well, I don't really know how to explain it. So I'll let Chris explain it. It's in this podcast, but basically they helped uncover an underground crime ring, which is pretty crazy. Uh, A lot of true crime stuff going out on Netflix and things. So, uh, yeah, if you're a fan of that, you're going to be a real big fan of this podcast. The other thing I'm going to say is, um, well, uh, I met Chris because years ago when I was still trying to do the documentary series of what this podcast is now, all, All Roads Lead to Here, uh, before it became the podcast, I started a zine that was called Dispose, which is basically I would send out a disposable camera to someone in a band before they were going out on tour. Uh, I sent it out with Harm's Way before they did Life and Death, uh, I think on their second time on that tour. They took photos, sent it back to me. I put the zine out, and me and Chris have kind of just stayed in contact ever since. Um, he's awesome. He does a lot of uh, community stuff within Chicago. Helps at risk youth. Um, great guy. Uh, a lot of fun to talk with. And um, yep, here's that interview. Okay, bye bye. So I'm here with uh, Chris, Chris Mills of Harm's Way. How are you? Doing okay. <laughs> Hanging in there. <laughs> it's always just weird starting it out because I always talk to people before, so I never know how to start it out. But um, yeah. So we've known each other a little bit, and but I don't. I mean, we've never really sat down and have like a a conversation about like your career and stuff. So that's kind of why I'm doing this. I just wanted to see how it's been for you with touring and stuff. Cause everyone else that I've done, I feel like I've already known them for a while. So I kind of already know the, the backstory, but I feel like you'll, you'll probably have some pretty, pretty funny stories. Um, how long, how long have you been drumming for?
1: I've been drumming since probably I was 13. Um Oh, wow like 12 13 yeah it's uh you know and i'm 33 now so it's actually i'm crazy to think about that it's been roughly 20 years um and yeah i mean i started drumming not necessarily by choice um i was i was i was actually playing bass originally mm-hmm. um top on my top on my brother and um i kind of stumbled upon drumming accidentally kind of sorta like I had a, I had a close friend at the time who had a drum set and he had that I played like soccer with and um, he had a drum set, but you know, he was, he was more of like a jock and stuff um, and kind of gave it up pretty quick. And my brother had known that my knew my friend had this drum set and our parents were going out of town for the weekend or something. And he was Mm -hmm. like, Hey, you should ask, you know, Bashar if you could borrow his drums. Um, we could like jam in the garage or something and i was like eh, all right like i guess i'll ask i don't think he'll say yes but okay and um sure enough you know i asked and he was like yeah totally dude i don't care take them please they're just yeah. collecting dust so uh i remember like yeah that like that weekend i like brought the drums home and um you know my like my brother and i would just like switch off we both played bass and stuff and um but i was it was weird. I, I just kind of sat behind the kit and was able to kind of play a beat and mm-hmm. kind of follow along to kind of licks he was playing and stuff. Yeah. You know, I remember, I remember like, you know, one of the first songs we played together was like waiting room by Fugazi. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, this is weird. Like I can kind of do this, you know, it was just like, it yeah. kind of came naturally. Um, and uh, you know, slowly I just started playing more and more and eventually just like, it became almost like a primary instrument for me. Yeah. Um, So yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of came across it by accident. And, um, you know, over time it just became a thing.
0: Yeah. What was your, what was your first drum set? It was, uh, so yeah, it was, it was a Pearl Export
1: series. That was, that was, yeah, that was, (laughs) that was, that was the drum set. I remember I had, man, it was like, I had Zildjian hi-hats. So it was like these old Avedis hi-hats and an old Avedis like 16-inch crash. I had one crash, one hi-hat, like one set of hi-hats.
0: <laughs> my, so it's funny that you say that because my first drum set was an eight-piece double bass <laughs> metal kit because – so I kind of did the same thing. I wanted to play guitar because of the Foo Fighters, and I remember going on Amazon and I saw this like sky blue guitar. That i wanted to like learn so i was like looking at doing that and then i remember listening to because i i i went through a very backwards trajectory into getting into hardcore because growing up in new smyrna i was a lot of around of like a lot of metalcore kids while in daytona everyone was going like the whole daytona hardcore scene was booming and new smyrna was like christian metalcore and i <laughs> someone showed me like august burns red and i remember listening to the drummer and i was like okay i want to do that like that's what that that sounds awesome so (laughs) i looked at his drum set and he had he had like an eight piece like metal kit and i went on a musician's friend and bought a pulse set for like 500 bucks for like an eight piece and it was funny because (laughs) i thought it was the best value because it had a double bass and then i bought just the only symbols that i bought was a 16 inch crash and a 12 or 14 inch Wuhan China. And those were my only symbols for like, for like, I think a, a solid like four or five months.
1: Yeah. I mean, of course, like if, if you're a metalcore drummer, you know, a China is way more essential than hi hats. You know? Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> exactly. And then it was like not until, I I mean, I can't remember. I think the first, the first, uh, hi hats that I ever got were like some, like the minor, htss or whatever the ones that were basically like scrap metal you know that made almost no noise at all and the the hi-hat stand that they gave in that kit were oh my gosh horrendous but it was so funny because that's how i got into it and it was like from then on i like remember learning more and like starting to take pieces away from the drum kit and then now i just have like it's just a normal four piece you know what i mean which is so it's just so crazy i wish i need to find an old photo of me behind that thing because it was like took up the whole guest room, you know? That sounds
1: hilarious. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's so indicative of your age. It's just like more, you know, (laughs) like, (laughs) more as many pieces as possible. Right, exactly.
0: You're thinking that it's the, I mean, it was, I mean, it was definitely really funny. And then it was like, I met my friend Jake and he was like, dude, this is the most, because he's like, he... He's a drummer too. And he had a, a old Gretsch, like Catalina, you know, and he played in like a, basically like a Norma Jean band. And when me and him became friends, he came over to my house for the first time and he was like, this is the most, the craziest thing that I've ever seen. You would just play on it for, you know, like an hour or something just because it was so funny. That... It's like so many things to hit. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, so how did you like, how did you come to be in uh, harm's way? or how did it i guess how did you come to be in it and also how did it like form was it you know did were you in anything before harm's way
1: yeah yeah i mean i played in a number of kind of like punk and hardcore bands Mm -hmm. um before harm's way um you know like the first band i ever played in was in high school like maybe six months after i started playing drums or a year after i started playing drums and it was like a horror punk band called the bullets and we'd like fucking douse ourselves in blood and like or paint and shit like that, like in the vein of the misfits and like sand and stuff. But like, yeah. you know, and then that slowly, you know, like I, I did that for a minute. But you know, while I was in high school, um, you know, I. I should say middle school into high school, you know, Bo, Bo and I, Bo plays guitar in harm's way right now, but mm-hmm. we had, we had become like good friends and we started playing in a hardcore band together called double cross. And it was just kind of like youth crew stuff, you know, chain of mm-hmm. strength, Youth to today, kind of stuff like that. Um, and we did that for a while and, um, you know, put out a seven inch and kind of got into the Chicago hardcore scene through our, you know, we we're, we we're from the suburbs, but we ended up getting into the Chicago hardcore scene. And through that, you know, I ended up meeting, um, You know, James, who sang in harm's way, uh, John, who played bass in harm's way, you know, and um, at that time was playing in a number of other bands. Um, And, you know, through just going to shows in, um, you know, in the city and and whatnot, we ended up starting a a band together called Few and the Proud. Mm -hmm. That was um, kind of just like a straight edge hardcore band. Um, I was playing guitar, James was playing bass, Bo was playing guitar, John John F. Nachos and he played in harm's way he was on drums and our friend Bernie was singing. And um, we started doing that band for a minute, you know, put out a demo, uh, put out an LP. But in the process of doing that, um, you know, kind of in between practices or at the ends of practices, we would kind of all switch instruments um, and uh, just started playing these like kind of power violence songs, mm-hmm. kind of grind songs. And we always joked about how funny it would be for James to sing in a band because uh you know he was he's always been like a pretty like muscly kind of intimidating looking person you know I think he mm-hmm. was born that way out the womb um <laughs> <laughs> but you know we always we always kind of joke, joked around about that and um we were just like fuck it let's let's like do it you know and mm-hmm. um it was almost like done in like a very like lighthearted, kind of joking sort of manner at first you know right. um but you know, we, we eventually like put to put some songs together um, and recorded a demo in our friend Aaron's bedroom. And, um, you know, that's kind of like how the band started. And, um, you know, slowly it just kind of gained more and more traction, more and more steam. And Few mm-hmm. um, the Proud ended up kind of dissolving and like breaking up because our singer ended up moving to Japan. We started doing another band called Convicted but Harm's Harmsley was still kind of happening alongside that. Always, always like a side project um never necessarily like a main thing for us Mm -hmm. up until up until maybe you know 2007 2008 you know um and and then you know we kind of just leaned into that and kind of just let it let it run its course or i should say like let it you know kind of let it just kind of ran with it it, yeah 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 totally
0: (laughs) (laughs) well um what was So what was the first tour that you did? Was it with Harmsway or was it with bands before?
1: First tour I ever did was actually with, with, with that band Few and the Proud Mm -hmm. that I had mentioned. Um, It was like right out of high school and it was us and this other band Left Hand Path from Chicago. We ended up doing like an East coast tour um, Mm -hmm. that was like so poorly booked. Right, of course. (laughs) And had so many days off and so many cancellations. Mm -hmm. but it was also like just like so fucking fun because we were just like kids hanging out on the road together, pretty much.
0: Yeah, I feel like um, the first experience is both insane and also just ecstatic because you just like have no rules, you have no idea what's yeah, going to happen. <laughs>
1: exactly, exactly. You know, it's just like a roll of the dice every day. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how were how were the shows? Um, they were all. There was like a couple okay ones and yeah. a lot of bad ones. <laughs> yeah, of course. I will I I do like um what was what was really funny at that time, I remember we we played in like Brockton, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. at this place called like uh the like the Tiger's Den, which was like a historically like really like insane place for shows to happen. Mm-hmm. Like um like you know, like Black My Heart and like on Broken Wings and like bands like that would like play there, you know. And we ended up like getting a show there um, kind of through like connections that we had in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And I remember playing a show, I remember playing at that venue on that tour and I'm like 18 and it was probably one of the most like violent experiences of of my life. (laughs) A lot of people there, but obviously like a lot of fucking crazy shit happening. But I remember that being a pretty like eye-opening experience for us. Um, Standing
0: back watching everything.
1: Yeah, literally just watching violence unfold in front of me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, like that that memory
0: stands out
1: <laughs> very significantly.
0: So then, what was what was like the first tour you did with Harm's Way? Was it a pretty significant for, one?
1: Um. Yeah, actually, because the first tour we did with Harm's Way was kind of the tour that really, um, kind of got the ball rolling for us. It was it was. So it was, we we had put out the Imprisoned Mm 7-inch and we did, um, we embarked on like an East Coast tour and it started at, this is for you fest in Daytona Daytona, Beach, Florida actually. And that was pretty much like one of our first out-of-state shows ever outside of maybe like Indiana or some Mm -hmm. shit, you know? And um, it 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 was that set that like the infamous like Zach Wolf photo of James, um was like published you know where james with the ski mask
0: yeah fucking okay. x on
1: his hands you know shit like that that was like the first show of the tour actually wow and it was after yeah and it was after that that things kind of like you know we started gaining some like traction outside of outside of chicago
0: yeah so it, um i was just gonna yeah, say yeah. It's, it's always it's always so funny because when that fest was happening, that was like the year that I started to get into the realm of like, I mean, Christian metalcore, but it's like, I remember, you know, when I started going to shows and talking to like Pat uh, from Axis and Tommy, and then, you know, after becoming friends with them, and I remember one day they like posted that flyer, and when I saw the dates, I was like, this is almost like the day that I got into this kind of music, so it's like so funny to look back (laughs) at like The flyers of shows that i went to while those things were happening and then like how daytonal like i mean i think the last i mean the first ever real hardcore show i went to was like deathbed and axis playing at the lion's den and then it was like after that everything kind of fizzled out from there and it became like the mecca of like deathcore and then now it's like still just like really strange shows happen there but it's like it's infuriating to see that stuff happening And not you know not being able to like be there because I'm like looking I'm looking at the flyer now again because it's just like all bands that I love now you know what I mean it's just so crazy I didn't know that was actually your guys first like touring show that's crazy yeah 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 totally it was um it was it was wild because you know we we had
1: gotten on this is for you fest and um, like weekend nachos like was on it and Mm -hmm. you know John John played with us and we I think after you know, we the tour started at in Daytona Beach and we did like a we did like four or five shows together, maybe three or four, something like that. It was like us weekend nachos and Coke Bust. And now it's kinda of like the like the kickoff of like that weekend of shows. And we played pretty much all the way up to DC
0: mm-hmm.
1: with Coke Bust and weekend nachos. And then we kind of Harmsley kind of branched off and did their own did our own thing for like five days after that. But like that yeah. first, you know, four or five four or five shows were, were awesome, you know, because like a stacked stacked lineup you know we nachos was killing it at that time coke bust incredible you know um mm-hmm. it was it was it was awesome you know and then after that i, th- I feel like after like the dc show things got kind of dark on that tour <laughs> for a minute <laughs> there's like some 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 real some real low points on like on the tour um kind of kind of coming 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 home from from that and um but it was like after that that things like i said like you know we kind of we got back from that tour, and like, people were paying attention to us. Yeah, so. yeah. But like, I mean, this is three Fest was, was awesome. Like that that was my second time playing it with, with like when when Harm's lay was on it. But the year prior, I played it with this youth crew band that I played guitar and called Expired Youth, mm-hmm. and it was it was insane. You know, yeah. at, at at that time, like the lineup was like you know Down to Nothing, Bitter End, like mm-hmm. all these all mm-hmm. these prominent bands at the time. Um, and like Daytona was like popping like it was it was like a mecca for like good shows it felt like and now i can't even i can't even imagine playing daytona on any tour
0: (laughs) you can i mean it it sucks because i remember i mean i i would go to every lion's den show when they were still trying to book it and i remember the last like thing that i remember was pat was trying to do the southeast hardcore fest there that was going to kind of because i think what happened was, like, Lions Den was, like, I can't remember if they were, like, demolishing it, because I wasn't super active with, like, any of that until later, when my friend Jake took over booking there, Um, but I remember Pat was trying to do, like, a Southeast hardcore fest that was going to be, like, you know, some of the bigger bands. Like I remember they did Southeast Hardcore Fest in uh, South Carolina one year with like Foundation and all them and all those bands from the Southeast. And Pat was going to try to do like one last like big show there. And then I don't know what happened. I don't, I never like talked to him about it. Something happened. It was just like kind of fizzled out. And then it was like, my friend Jake was really trying to like keep it going. My friend Jake and Mike. And then it was like, just <laughs> like, I remember the most significant shows being like King Conquer and all these deathcore bands playing like, they would play like basically Daytona Beach um, sports bars and they would play the show and then immediately after the people would be like, we're never having a show ever again. And because yeah, it was just yeah. like so ridiculous, they had no idea what they were getting into. And now there's like there's like one venue called uh, Tierna Nog or something it's like an Irish pub that does shows and it's like that's it. but it's like the same kids that'll go to those shows which is which is awesome, but it's like I, yeah. It just sucks because when I, when I would see like the photos of like Coffee Connection and like the Blacklisted Have Heart Show and I'm like, I was literally going to shows and it was like, even the uh, shows that they were having in Daytona at Coffee Connection and stuff, I was like, I can't believe that all these bands that like I love now are like we're playing these like super small venues and like all the people that I know now are just like in those photos you know what I mean I can look at them and be like wow I know everyone here you know it's just really funny I have such a funny trajectory into like that music scene it's always funny to talk about because everyone's like wait you're from New Smyrna why didn't you go to those shows and I'm like well it's because I was really into Christian metalcore and like (laughs) like really weird like rise Records stuff and then it like I don't think I started getting into that until I went to, uh, until I saw Axis for the first time. And I was like, wow, this kind of music is amazing. And like this band way to the world, which was like a super melodic band that like sounded like go it alone. And then when I started listening to like bands, like go it alone and down to nothing, it was like, that's what changed me because I, I started collecting records and like started just like looking into all that. And then I remember going to, uh, the, uh, the festival is called, um, bringing it back for the kids fest. And I, it sounds, I think, weren't you guys, I think you guys were on tour actually at the same time that was going on because I can't remember if I'm like correct on it, but I think you guys were playing with foundation. That was the foundation tour you guys were doing.
1: Probably, probably. I mean, we,
0: we did a couple tours with foundation. I think that was the one. um, Cause I, I think I only remember I mean my memory could be completely shot too but I just I think that was the one that you guys did around the isolate when you guys did the um the split shirt where you guys Oh did the yeah ride, yeah yeah right? yeah. And then yeah. I and I think the only reason why I remember that is because my friend Evan I stayed with him down there and Foundation played that fest and I think he was like booking it home to see the show at uh, skate park but I it could also be a completely wrong timeline but I think that was right around that time because that was about the time that I started listening to bands like that and you guys and like because I saw Trapped on the ice for the first time and like the next night I drove or like after that fest one night I like can't remember if it was the first or second year where they did the um the Reaper showcase and um they had mm-hmm. a huge the huge show at uh at the Orpheum and that was like the that was like when I that's when I started getting into like all that style of music and I was like there's is way cooler.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Different. I mean that sounds about right timeline wise.
0: Yeah, because I remember that show being like super crazy, um, and I remember that's when I was like, I really wish I would have went to that show too, but I just, (laughs) it was too late for me. Um, Yeah. What was, so when it was like the earlier days of the band, how, when you guys were like starting to pick up steam, how were the tours following that? I mean, I know obviously all, everything touring wise can be hit or miss, but I mean, how was it? moving forward from then
1: yeah we you know we
0: after that tour you know it
1: was like i said like harm's was always pretty like part-time pretty like side project even Mm -hmm. after that you know like you know most of us were in school or and, and like doing other bands you know but it was it, it, it was it was interesting it was, it was funny because it was always like a side project that did better than all of our main projects kind of work <laughs> and um you know, i think like that following summer you know we went out we we flew out to you know it was we always toured kind of around like breaks from school and shit but like yeah. that following summer we like flew out to california and we hopped on a leg of like the weekend nachos tour and that was like our first time touring touring in cal in california i know we mm-hmm. You know, we kind of started in Northern California and like went down the coast and, you know, we're, we're really lucky, you know, because that was, that was another string of shows that was with Wika Nachos and, um, and, uh, you know, like Coke Bust, I think was on them and uh, in Disgust, like played some of them as well. And like the shows are fucking insane, you know, yeah. and like California being like a major market, you know, um, and kind of like the this, you know, at at that point, like, you know, like the picture was all over the bridge nine board and like we were kind of getting this yeah. reputation of being this like crazy band and like mm. and whatnot. You know, like those shows were like fucking great because we had
0: all the of of, around us. Was it all because of the photo of James wearing the ski mask?
1: Yeah, pretty much the ski mask <laughs> photo, right? Yeah. Like, you know, which is like hilarious because like imprisoned and, and our demo were like not not very good in my opinion especially when to reflect on them now some people might argue otherwise but yeah uh, but yeah i mean like all the like we were like pretty spoiled you know because we had mm-hmm. we had some like good look you know like we had weekend nachos that took us out on on that and like we had the the luxury of getting some like hype from from the you know kind of internet um mm-hmm. so like those those shows were good but like you know we after you know i think that following winter we did like our first like we went back to the west coast and like we went we we instead of flying out you know we went straight we went down through texas and like up through arizona and then cut back through through california and then cut back through you know kind of utah and, and colorado and all that and like though you know that was like pretty brutal <laughs> yeah you know like that was you know we had some like we had some like pretty good shows in Texas and like Arizona and like California is always like decent, but like the middle of America was like not fun, you know, especially right. in like the, the middle of winter. So, um, you know, there was definitely like some, some, some grinds in there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and at that, at that point, you know, like we were still like young and just like stoked to be out, outside of Illinois and like, um, to be like kind of traveling as friends on like yeah. winter break and shit. So like it wasn't it wasn't like terrible, but you know looking back on that, it was like pretty brutal. You know, right. like I don't know how I would like do that now. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, yeah, I feel like you kind hit of, you that hit, kind of grind.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just talked with my friend the the band that I toured with for like two years was all that. I mean, luckily we never in never long stretches, but it was like weekends of playing consistent shows to like ten people. But it's like, you look back on it it's like, it was, it's fun, but it, you do look back now and be like, because I remember I wanted to be a touring photographer. That's like what my dream job was to be like a tour manager, or like a touring photographer. And then I look back on that stuff and I'm like, I can't imagine doing that grind again. Like, you know, like grinding it out to where the shows are bad consistently. But like back then it was just fun no matter what. But looking as like an older adult, even just the whole idea of like, sleeping on tile floors it's just like oh man (laughs) you know yeah like yeah totally it's like how do you how do you sustain it especially for like your mentality like the mentality of it it can get so draining when it's just like when i did the south by tour it was like south by southwest that grind was like so draining it was like the stretch home was we were just like counting down the minutes until we were home and i was just like i couldn't imagine doing that for weeks on end you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, totally. I mean like those like winter west coast tours we did, it was always <clears throat> it was always us and our other band like Convicted, you know, we didn't mm-hmm. have time to do like separate tours, right? And we shared yeah. members, right? So mm-hmm. like it would be all of our equipment in a fucking cargo van, no seats at all. So yep. like just this this death trap essentially. Right.
0: Yeah, I'd like, done that before. Driving
1: driving through the mountains in fucking winter, you know. Yeah. Um, I'll never forget like one of the last shows on one of those winter tours, you know, it was, it was kind of like James and I sitting shotgun doing an overnight drive home from like Omaha, Nebraska or some shit. And, um, hitting, hitting, like hitting black ice Yeah. and just like, you know, feeling the swerve and like looking behind me and seeing everyone just kind of move and the equipment kind of all move independently and thinking like. This is it, you yeah. know, and mm-hmm. you know by, you know, like fucking by the grace of God, like <laughs> we like were able to like, you know, James was able to like re regain control and stuff, you know, and it's
0: yeah.
1: I mean, it's like insane to think about that, you know, because as an adult in their thirties now, I'm just like I would never do that. You know?
0: Right, you wouldn't <laughs> perpetrate. We did that when the. Uh... I mean, every bit, well, the only two bands that I've really toured with, it was both the same thing. They took out the middle seat and then they had one seat and then all the equipment behind and the one that we did to South by the, the van's, um, steering column had probably about a two inch give. So you would steer it two inches over before it would catch. So to initially turn right, if you wanted to make a small turn, you had to give it like three inches. So whoever was driving would be glued to the steering wheel, can't move at all and i remember i was sleeping on top of the base cab and it was like at that point when you're in that spot you're just kind of like i mean if anything happens this is it there's no real mm-hmm. there's no real possibility if this van flips you're like it's done so it's like i feel like it is it's when you look back on it at this age you're like why the fuck would i ever do that there was no monet, like I, I wasn't getting paid for anything i was just like out taking photos yeah, like, like it's and that's the thing, What that's kind of the reason why I, when I started this podcast is because like, for people who don't really know is like to listen to like, what people go through just to play shows is pretty insane. You know what I mean? Like, they'll probably, you know, they'll see like, you know, God forbid, they'll see like the the articles of bands that like flipped and things like that, like the real horror stories, but like, everyone goes through it. And luckily, like nothing bad happens to every single band, but it's like pretty much every band is in it for those same like coming to terms with like, you know, this could be the last drive. It's like, it, it's just insane. And that's like, yeah. the whole thing is like, <laughs> it's funny to see like, um, when bands all announce tours and you'll have like 30 people on there being like, well, why aren't you coming to Orlando? But you guys are playing a show in South Florida. It's like, okay, just take the three hour drive. It's like, right. they don't make these rules, but also they're doing all this shit just to play shows. Like, you know, it, it's just so funny to me. It's like, I, I don't think kids that like have never really known anyone in bands or like people who tour don't really understand the amount of shit that goes into it. And then on top of that, what people do just to be able to tour, you know what I mean?
1: Totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, yeah, we, we are from Chicago going to South Florida, you know, like right. 18 hours, you know, it's like, be great if you could maybe just drive a couple hours to come exactly. see it. Yeah, we are making no money.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's definitely the funniest thing that still happens. You know what I mean? People still don't get that understanding of like, I saw it to where it was like the worst I've seen. I I think the best you'll see is when you'll post a tour and be like, "You guys never play Orlando, for instance," and then the band will comment, and "Be like, we played there." less than a year ago you know what i mean it's like yes. yeah. oh well i didn't see and it's like well okay that's not <laughs> it's just so yeah. funny
1: yeah uh, absolutely
0: so with um how has how's kind of like i mean the progression of you guys records like uh you know i feel like you guys have been in kind of like a steady incline with your records and even with like the sound I mean, you guys haven't taken a crazy departure from like the core of like what your band sounds like, but how has, how has the, the progression in the music kind of changed the progression of your touring? And if that makes any sense, like, has it, I'm trying to think of a way to like word it, but basically, cause I mean, you guys have done like huge tours now. And I feel like a lot of it has to do with, like you were saying, like you guys are more of a part-time band. So I feel like no matter what, when you guys tour, I feel like, I mean, actually, I don't really know. I'm not going to put words in your mouth because I'm sure there are still some shows that are like, you know, pretty pretty like hit or miss. But with you guys being a part-time band, does it lend a lot of help to like having better shows or having like really good reactions around the the country? Because I know that, I I think the first time I saw you guys was um, the first Life and Death tour at, um, I remember that reaction being, crazy and, and i couldn't remember i don't think you guys had played florida for a minute
1: yeah which where which because we played a was that the one with like turnstile and yeah the first um,
0: the first life and death was with um yeah uh i think it was like backtrack turnstile, turnstile. freedom uh, freedom tear uh yeah suburban scum uh yeah was expired on that one maybe I think so and it was at Crowbar I don't know if you remember Crowbar in yeah, Tampa. yeah 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 mm-hmm. I remember and that was Crowbar that was in was that Tampa it's like, yeah it's like downtown Tampa uh Ybor downtown City Tampa. yeah right yeah the, yeah the next time you guys played was at the Orpheum I think a year the not the next year but the year after
1: yeah yeah I mean like yeah we would you know Florida we would hit kind of sparingly sometimes just because it's or like you know we wouldn't go we only do like one or two florida shows versus like the entire Mm -hmm. state it's just like hard to get the south florida you know i think we've only ever played south florida twice now that i think about it you know which was like insane to think about you know we played like the talent farm and or i think i think it was called that the the town that was the
0: infamous show where the lights went out for your set
1: yes yes yeah yeah
0: yeah. Yeah, i I wasn't there for that but i saw the video
1: yeah, uh, yeah, we played like the Talent Farm with that was like on the on with Foundation, I believe. Yeah. And then like fucking in 2015 or 2016 or something like that with like at the Gates in like Fort Lauderdale, <laughs> you know, yeah, such a yeah. crazy such a crazy like, you know. And that was like many years between, but you know, mm-hmm. like we we are I mean, we've been a pretty full-time band probably up until, you know, since kind of Rust came out. Um mm-hmm. and, you know, with that, you know, kind of really um opened up a lot of different doorways for like for tours and stuff you know and um you know obviously like sonically and like musically like we're you know we're not like a typical hardcore band we're not a typical metal band you know we kind of fall into like a lot of weird weird kind of zones and stuff Um, yeah that's kind of what i was like
0: getting at because like i i'm thinking that like you know you guys did the cannibal corpse tour and you did the at the gates tour and it's like i felt like seeing you guys on like a lot of really crazy like doing life and death and then it's like at the gates and then cannibal corpse and then like you know like right a regional code orange tour and like doing crazy europe fest and stuff yeah right I feel like it, yeah
1: yeah you know it's given us like the luxury to like kind of bounce around a bit um and really like kind of pull from a lot of different audiences and um yeah you know i, I think i think for us it's like obviously like we started in the hardcore scene, started in like kind of the power violence scene, stuff like that, but um, you know, I think, I don't know, like we as people are are like pretty complex, diverse people and Mm -hmm. our music tastes are like kind of that way too. And it kind of reflects who we are kind of like as a band um, and just our open-mindedness in terms of like, touring and tour packages. Like, you know, like Mm -hmm. you said, like Cannibal Corpse to Life and Death to fucking Warp Tour to Ghost to you know. Oh, doing, I
0: forgot. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I said fork tour.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, like you know, we've kind of we've kind of bounced bounced around a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, and you know, that's that's been like I said, it's been like a luxury, but also just kind of like by by design too. You know, in terms mm-hmm. of trying to like help grow our band and and kind of push push the boundaries a bit, um, and also just you know, from like a punk mentality, not really like giving giving a fuck and just wanting to play with bands we like and friends you know and mm-hmm. stuff at the same time you know so um yeah you know it's it's just been it's just been a pro an approach that we've been taking you know and it's yeah. been working working fairly well you know it's like our band has been very much like a slow build a slow grind you know we 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 didn't necessarily have like you know, it, it wasn't just like a flash in the pan and like we were like big or whatever and like we it was easy for us, you know, like I feel like we've had to slowly build our fan base and slowly kind of pull from so many different worlds to um, To now be in a place where you know it is a bit of a sustainable thing for us. Yeah, you know, to kind of do um, You know, both both like financially and then like also as as just like an an, an artistic outlet you know like we have yeah. we have the luxury of be able to put out records and like do shit you know so mm-hmm. um yeah it's just been it's just been kind of like our mindset with the band so
0: yeah
1: um, I mean, the, yeah. yeah
0: it's uh, how how was being on Warp Tour um
1: I mean it was it was a lot of fun it was it was awesome you know I feel like people have people on that tour have a love-hate relationship with it and i feel like so much of it comes down to your kind of like living situation while you're on it and yeah we had like we had the luxury to like share a bus with like every time i die who are like good friends and stuff you know Mm -hmm. so it was um it was it was a really cool experience it was it was like a lot of fun um and you know outside of like the heat (laughs) and you know like the early loading times and kind of stuff like that. Like it was, it wasn't bad, you know? And we actually, we, we did like really well on it. Like we, Mm -hmm. um, we kind of went into it thinking like, all right, this is going to be a toss up, you know, it's gonna be a coin flip. And there were some, there were some whatever shows, but there was a lot of like really, really good shows um, for us. And it was pretty surprising. So overall it was, I I would say it was like a really fun experience. Mm -hmm. It was a really amazing experience. A lot of friends on it. And felt like a like a cool little summer camp most days you know <laughs> um and you know but we're also like really privileged to have um a pretty comfortable setup while we're yeah. on it
0: yeah i feel like that's the i mean when i started knowing people on the tour and would hear that like the smaller bands would have to drive their own vans i was like I yeah don't, i don't know how you could ever do something like that
1: yeah yeah totally i mean like i remember like kubla khan was like doing it in a van mm-hmm you know, overnighting every drive and, like, fucking take my hats off to them. Like, that's Right, insane. and baking
0: for the entire day unless they knew someone who had a bus. I knew a – Totally. My friend was a bus driver, so it was, like, I would get to go and then – but, like, we would go watch bands, but then I'd get to sit in the AC, and it was, like, I could never do it the old way anymore. It was, like, I don't understand how bands could do that where it's, like, they have to make someone suffer and then suffer more through the day because it's, like, what are they going to do nap in up? tin can you know what I mean it's like oh my. yeah and that's the thing a lot of people I don't think realize too
1: (laughs) yeah right that there's I mean it's it's like insane there's like there's such a disparity between like the big bands on like a warp tour and like the smaller bands grinding it on a warp tour in terms of like quality of life you know Mm -hmm. Um, and that happens behind the scenes that and people don't see that part at all, you know, but it's fucking brutal. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, so what's been like, when, when did you guys, when did the, um, I'm trying to think of like the craziest story that you probably have, but I'm sure that's going to happen or that's going to have to go to the, uh, the van being stolen. <laughs>
1: Yeah, which time?
0: Uh <laughs> Oh yeah, I forgot. I forgot you guys had
1: it stolen twice, right? We've had we've had multiple we've had multiple vans stolen, correct? Jesus.
0: <laughs> yeah, cuz I I was like yeah. trying to remember if like if I was correct in remembering that it happened multiple times.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I think had... actually one of the first times I ever heard about a band having their van stolen was you guys.
1: Yeah. So, well, I mean, we've had trailer stolen, we've had van broken into and shit stolen of that we've had a van blow up on a life and death tour oh yeah we had a yeah then we had a a van get stolen literally off the street in chicago that was like our van that was literally right in front of bo's apartment you know so we've definitely had some a string of bad luck bad luck with transportation (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs)
0: so then i yeah i guess i guess you really can't narrow it down to like the craziest one because all that really fucking sucks
1: absolutely so then what all Um, right all
0: right i'll ask an easier question what's been kind of the craziest interaction or um thing that's happened to you related to shows
1: yeah well you know i will say that when we when we had our trailer stolen a couple years ago when we were just starting the terror tour Yeah. That was that was insane because of so many variables that was because of so many variables happening outside of the actual stealing of the trailer, if that makes sense. No, you know,
0: like there was outside elements happening.
1: It totally like there was a huge crime ring like associated with it. There was like police chases. There was it was it was fucking insane. Oh, I didn't know any
0: of that. That's crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fucking, it's fucking wild. So obviously like the trailer was stolen out of a secure parking lot in Las Vegas, you know, it was just like cut off. Um, it was the day, like we did, we, we played a show that was, it was like a routing show out to California to start mm-hmm. the terror tour in San Diego. The trailer gets stolen, um, which is obviously all our shit. Um, and you know, that day we, you know or that morning i should say we we find out it's stolen like we have to deal with like you know the security some of the cops but we are we are still able to make it to the like the first show of the tour which was in like san diego Like as mm-hmm. sad and as bummed out as we were we like still made it to that show um you know shortly after that obviously like the hardcore community like the music community like totally like rallied behind us to like help us like replace gear help you know help us get back on our feet Mm -hmm. because we were in so much debt with no instruments um you know so obviously like that part was incredible that part was amazing but you know slowly stuff was like coming out around the stealing of this this trailer you know Mm -hmm. it was found a couple days later in like a parking lot just like next door to the the Luxor which is where we're staying just like totally open um we were able to like acquire a couple things like my my stands case from there um
0: well at least you got the
1: stands case yeah I got got the stands case you know (laughs) like I think like our banner or some shit but it was it was crazy but things were were just like kind of slowly starting to kind of come together and then there was um It was it was insane, but like a couple weeks after that, there was this high speed chase in over like the selling of a trailer in like the Pacific Northwest. And in the trailer, there was like boxes of Harm's Way merch that were found from our trailer, like from our trailer that was stolen, a different trailer, right? Yeah. Um, but this it was like someone was trying to sell a different stolen trailer that had some of our stuff in there, and. Um, there's like this high speed chase that happens through like the, through like the, the, like the box, like, or the botched purchase of this trailer that like the local police kind of caught on to. And um, the original, and, but anyway, like those people ended up in jail, they find our merch in their, in their stolen trailer. And Mm -hmm. the original owners of the trailer reach out to us and say like, hey, like, we looked you up. We saw your story. We have some of your stuff. Oh, okay. So we ended up getting some of our stuff back through them. Uh huh. Yeah, totally insane. A couple of weeks after that, some of our stuff ends up on, on uh, like some equipment ends up on eBay. Then mm-hmm. like Las Vegas Police Department, like our detective catches wind of that, gets some of that merch. Um, they, they like they were able to again connect some people to that. I know James got recently subpoenaed through that. So like. Mm-hmm there's still Shit. a saga going on and there's like a big crime ring that, that we've kind of like stepped away from, but there's like a big investigation, a big crime ring of, of, of kind of people that were discovered through this, like through our trailer being stolen.
0: So it's literally your fault, day. your guy's fault.
1: <laughs> we, yeah, it was, there's been a ripple effect from, you know, they kind of fucked with the wrong trailer. It seems right. like, but uh, <laughs> way has done,
0: has done more for an illegal equipment, black market, Underground thing yeah. that we'll ever be able to do. I just want to yeah. know what they're like. What were they going to do? They're going to open up a bootleg online store to sell your guys' merch.
1: Yeah, exactly. How did those boxes of merch end up in fucking Portland? You know, right. like it makes no sense. But we did get some of that merch back, which is which was awesome. Uh,
0: <laughs> I mean, that's and, uh, that I didn't know about any of that. I think I remember seeing a post about you guys like finding the trailer, but I don't think I remember hearing anything else after that, but also I I, I can't like, I mean, that's just all really fucking crazy. You guys should, someone should really do a documentary about that for Netflix. That'd be a really good true crime document. I mean, hopefully at the end of it, it's just like this like massive under, under underworld being like unraveled and it's all started from you. It's like, did you ever watch, uh, don't fuck with cats on Netflix?
1: I have not but my fiance did and she was super keen on it yeah
0: <laughs> I mean it it's uh did you ever watch Evil Genius? No. Okay. No. Those are two of the best like true crime documentaries I've ever seen but it, like the whole Don't Fuck With Cats thing was like kind of the same thing it was like one little thing evolved into this gigantic like ring basically being like opened up about this dude and it's like that's it would just be so funny if that's what happened with you guys you're going to find one more box of merch all linked to this one dude that has this crazy crime ring.
1: Yeah. 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 It What's the, the the funniest thing about all of this is our detective's name was like Lance Hardman.
0: Oh, okay. Perfect. Like
1: the most, like the most detective name you could ever imagine. And I right. think he definitely became like a harm's way fan, like throughout the process of this, like <laughs> really loved, really loved us. I think you can really identify with like, you know, James, um, and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, he, I think, you know, big ups to Lance for kind of helping, helping with this whole process, but he, uh, you know, we ended up getting a couple guitars back. I think like a lot of my drum shit is still like kind of missing somewhere out there. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully someone does a nice DW 9,000 double bass pedal, um, at this <laughs> point, but like,
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's great. It's still like I mean it's miraculous. I I just can't get over that they took the merch. Like I I would love right? to know. I would love to know what the backstory would that be to that. As like that's like the one thing to identify that you know I don't know, that's just crazy to me. Maybe they really were just gonna hope to they could put it all up on eBay or something and not not get caught.
1: Right. Thinking like they found some, you know, fucking streetwear company or some shit. Yeah. I mean, or maybe like they were cool. gonna write
0: the like before harm's way and they're going to try and write it off as like a new brand. That's the only (laughs) way I can see it happening. But so, I mean, that's a really crazy story, but what's been like the craziest experience you've had related to, I mean, I guess I would put that under the, under the umbrella of touring, but what's been the craziest kind of thing that's happened as far as related to shows.
1: As far as related to shows or and you know, or fest you know, it's, we've definitely had some, like, hilarious experience at shows. I mean, yeah, I feel like, like, I feel like it's
0: kind of impossible to narrow it down, but.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, like, I feel like so much of them are, like, so many of them are, like, related to violence, you know, like, I, like, you know, I remember, like, specifically that Pembroke Pines show like that was like one of the first times I saw someone pull out a handgun at a show
0: oh I didn't know that and happened.
1: it was it was it was probably like a night it was like a 19 year old like girl at that time and I just remember like oh wow I just remember like we're, we're at the van we're loading up and like I see someone walking out towards like a crowd of people with a fucking handgun and James and I literally just like look at each other and dive into the van like head first <laughs> like I mean there's like crazy shit like that that I remember fucking popping off but, like. I don't know. I here, Here's actually a pretty funny one that, that includes like some of our friends um, from like Twitching Tongues, you know, Colin and Colin Young being one of them um, and Taylor, like, you know, one of the first times we played, like maybe the one of the second times we played in California um, on one of like those winter tours. Remember we, we did like two shows in one night, but we ended up like, we ended up like going across town to, I don't know like riverside or like some shit like that um and we ended up like hopping on like a ruckus show oh nice but it was like you know we ended up doing like three or four songs like split a set with our other band convicted at the time and Mm -hmm. we're like we're, we're we're playing and like you know we're towards the end of the set and you know this huge fight breaks breaks out and Mm -hmm. at that point like there was fights at almost every one of our shows and we were getting like really annoyed with that you know um to the point where it's like we we couldn't finish sets and we're just Mm -hmm. like all right like keep your fucking hyper masculine bullshit to yourself like in the spirit of like yo we're thousands of miles away from home and we just would like to play our music and like allow people to enjoy this outside of like you know, the select few testosterone filled idiots that want to cause trouble. And at at this point, like we like, we didn't stop playing and there's a YouTube clip of it and we got a lot of shit for not stopping. But at some point you just see a, like a folding chair, like, you know, like that you would like expect, like at like a wrestling event, just kind of fly through the air and end up in the middle of this kind of fight. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we ended up learning like you know maybe uh a year later a year or two later that the person who had thrown that chair was like our friend Colin Young (laughs) kind of instigating the fight and you know I'll never I'll never forget how funny we thought it was that we caught this chair saw this chair flailing through the crowd you know and um yeah we definitely didn't stop playing definitely like people did not like that that we are kind of adding fuel to the fire of the fight um, but you know, it was kind of reflecting on that memory re- reflecting on that incident. It was, it was like with our, with these people who would later become our friends was, was right. like really fucking funny, you know? Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll never forget, like, you know, I think like one of the first times we played Sound and Fury, someone rode a miter, like a motorcycle into yeah. the, the pit. <laughs> That's like one of the most,
0: that, I think that one in the group chat i'm in with my friends from tampa we regularly repost that because that was on youtube and the video of um the vocalists of uh alpha and omega coming out with the gigantic chain Uh, that video i think that video i think got taken down but i remember that was like one of the ones that i remember was he came out with the giant chain whipping it and then just threw it into the crowd and i can't find that one but the motorcycle one i see all the time that one's amazing
1: yeah yeah you know like (laughs) It was, like, yeah, it was, I mean, it was just like a different era for Santa Barbara at that time and so fucking ignorant. And those are like some of the early shows we played there and we were mm-hmm. like kind of making friends with a lot of those people at that time. And, um, it was just, yeah, it was just like a totally different world for us to go to California. So yeah.
0: I feel like, I feel like yeah. just in general and hardcore at that, at that age was a, a lot different.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like s- super ignorant at that time. Just really just
0: <laughs> random crazy stuff always happening.
1: So yeah, when he, yeah. when
0: he threw the chair though, did it like, did it rustle, did it like get everyone like really hyped up or did it make everyone just kind of stop and realize that there was just a chair thrown, like a kind of like a, like a, almost like a um, epiphany to everyone to stop, to be like, okay, what is going on?
1: No, okay. it was, it just made it worse. It was fuel. Okay. It was fuel to the fire for sure. Yeah. It's like spraying the beehive. Was, yeah. And at the time, like we like, <laughs> yeah exactly we, we like love like we loved it you know we're just like yeah. yes like it's more insanity you know right i feel like i feel like uh, if
0: you go that many days too with it all happening it's just like what else are you gonna do it's like all right, just let it go
1: yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so um yeah if if i think if actually i think it was maybe san bernardino not mm-hmm. riverside so i think if you if you can look it up like you I'm sure it'll it'll pop up on YouTube. Um, oh, I'm,
0: I'll definitely look it up after this. Per, I'll make sure to, I'll make sure to experience. link it in the comments for everyone to see. Yeah, yeah. link it's it in the like, comments.
1: One, one, like one of the funniest parts is the chair flies and like you kind of see James almost like like a conductor orchestrating the violence, uh, <laughs> looking like looking towards the drums, not looking towards the insanity happening in the pit, but somehow it just all fits right. so well as James conducting and orchestrating the violence. To his own beat. <laughs> uh,
0: you know what's even funny? Actually, it just reminds me. How does it? Um, how does it feel to know that you guys became a um, a viral meme? Do you know about that? Um,
1: oh, far too well.
0: Um, I'm sure. I'm sure because yeah, I feel like I feel like there are two jokes that are made a lot about your band that I could only imagine have made life a living hell. It would have to be. The one that I see all the time, the harms way one, the W H E Y. Yeah. Yep. And then it has to be mm-hmm. now the now the great TikTok viral meme.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I know far too well of, about that. Like you know, I had every every person I knew from high school messaging right. me about this to family, uh, or you know, I like, got yeah, to kind of close family and a family friends to even, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a therapist. I work, obviously, you know, what I do. And I literally like clients I know being like, Hey, I think I saw you in like a a meme. And I was like, fuck, you know, so (laughs) it's, it's like permeated, you know, throughout my life and has crossed so many personal and professional kind, kind of, of boundaries that I, that I had in place Um <laughs> that I was just like, fuck, I don't know what to do with this. And then also at the same time, I'm just like, well, we're in a pandemic. It's bringing people some joy and some right. laughter right now. <laughs> fuck it You know, and Oh, Hey, we sold a couple more t-shirts because of it. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of forgot about it for a minute because there were so many iterations of it that I saw that I was just like, I was like, Oh my God. And then I looked at, um, Sonny's video, the Hate Five Six video, and that's like the most popular upload he has now. And I'm like, dude, how many people like looked up? Like, how many, how much traffic you guys must have gotten from that? I didn't even realize. I was like, you know, how many, the amount of people that probably watch it that don't look into it. Then I was like, holy shit! Like, it's like millions of views now.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it. I mean, I'd be lying if I said it like didn't help. You know, like it definitely Uh like brought a lot of new listeners to the table a lot of you know a lot a lot of new people um checked out our band because of it a lot of you know a lot of many new fans because of it like I said like definitely sold some merch because of it um it definitely like helped you know as cringy as it was for us yeah at times (laughs) um but you know I'd be lying also if I said that like we didn't chuckle at a couple of ones we saw so
0: yeah I'm sure in the beginning it's really funny but then uh, like you said after you get one million people texting you being like, dude, do you see this? Especially when the the audio keeps changing. So it's like the same video, but just different audio.
1: Right, right, right. Well, right, hopefully, right. I mean, yeah, yeah, maybe totally. if you
0: get your first tour right out of the pandemic, you guys are going to have a crazy, crazy show sold out all over the place. The band from TikTok. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Who, who would have fucking thought, man, what are your,
0: <laughs> well, you can add it to your resume at least. Um, well, I mean. Uh that's pretty much it, man. I feel like I, I feel like I hit everything. Is there anything else you want to add or you think you could add that would add a a, a nice another chuckle? Is there a story that sticks um, out to you that you really want to get off your chest?
1: It's like I'm so I'm so bad at these, honestly. Um <laughs> just like I feel like Bo's a really good storyteller, but I feel like I'm so bad at these just because we've been doing it for for so long it's hard you know it's and there's just there's just so many like right Mm -hmm. we are we're like we're so and like i hate to use this word but like we're like so weird and silly as a band that like we find like humor in like the dumbest shit you know like we like we have we have stories that i could tell and you'd be like okay like (laughs) what's the significance of that but to us it's like everything like when we're together talking about it it's like the most significant hilarious shocking thing you know but like yeah. for most people they look at me like yeah it's totally like dumb and benign you know mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah i mean it it's it's yeah it's i mean it's it just never ends. i have so many all the memories mesh together
0: ends. all the stories are the same i know how it is it's funny yeah yeah
1: right yeah and i mean the,
0: the so much the one story. related to the van being stolen and you guys uncovering a hidden crime ring i think is pretty I don't think you could really top it even if you thought you could.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I feel like if if you could get all of us on a show together to talk about that, like you could easily turn you could totally turn that into like almost like this true crime sort of <laughs> episode. Well, good. <laughs> yeah, if I ever so,
0: good if I ever make it as a, a documentary filmmaker, I'll make sure to do one on you guys.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I will say if you you know if you want to grab a couple of us and ever do like an episode simply on that like let's do with it. all of us talking about it like it, it would should. probably be a, a a pretty funny experience and like b you probably get some like good content out of that
0: okay well then we'll do it yeah, i would because i i mean not knowing the like about the police chase and stuff i mean hearing that as i i'm intrigued by it, i think it's absolutely incredible especially relating to a guy stealing all of your guys merch and then like i that's what i want to know if they ever catch that guy i want them to that's the first question they need to ask him is what the hell were you thinking of doing with all this
1: seriously dude like if if i could draw you a map of where shit ended up of ours throughout the west coast and it would look crazy all the way from like texas to the Pacific Northwest to uh-huh. Vegas, to Southern California. Like it was literally all over the place. Like <laughs> that, like that trailer and its remnants were just scattered all over the West coast.
0: I mean, like that's the crazy. Western half of
1: the United States. Yeah. And uh, you know, and it, it, it all connects to something and Right. we're still trying to figure that out, you know?
0: Well, good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Talk to whoever you think would be great. I would love to do, I think that'll be a really funny thing to do and we'll do it
1: for sure for sure man all right all right dude i'm gonna pleasure
0: i'm gonna say the uh the goodbye on the podcast and then i'll talk to you for like five more seconds after all right sounds good all right